Welcome to our first episode of an F1 recap. F1 recap. I don't know what we're going to call this. You know, I had some ideas. It's the Monday meeting. The Monday meeting. We can roll with that for now. But uh, yeah, Vegas was this weekend. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I mean, the first three laps, I feel like really kind of summed it up for the most I part. Hold but list here. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, let's start it off by just getting you introduced. Um, well, the people well. will already know me. I'm Raven. I'm doing the editing and production for the other two shows on this network. And then my co-host here is my good friend, Oliver. My name's Oliver. I grew up outside of, uh, I grew up outside of Metro Detroit, came to, came to Chicago for school. When I was 18. I've been here ever since. Met Raven through work one day back in maybe mid 2021. It's been a great experience and I, I had to find some place to share my F1 knowledge. I feel like this was probably the he right was, move. He was also the person that got me really into F- watching F1. Like, I had always shown interest in it before, but never to the point of, like, actually getting up at 6 a.m. to watch races. So, yeah. The commitment is real. We can thank Oliver for this podcast, and essentially. So No, no, no. But no. Vegas, baby. Man. So... There's, I, a, there's a lot that went on with this race. There was a lot that just happened, period, this weekend. Well, first of all, so, so this isn't the first time we've ever been in Las Vegas. We, uh, we came back here in 1981 and 1982 mm-hmm. in the Caesars Palace parking, parking lot. lot. Yep. One of the worst tracks I've ever seen in the history of, honestly, motorsport entirely. Um, but F1 kind of wanted to match the the glitz and glamour of monaco in the united states so where better to go than las vegas and we've never been on the strip you know it was in a parking lot and the the ultimate goal the first time they were in las vegas was to put the race on the strip but it was too complicated too expensive all that kind of stuff and they finally got around to doing it It cost them a ton of money that's why ticket prices were so expensive this year but they did get to go straight down the strip which was gorgeous but there was, there were still uh, a lot of issues uh, that you know existed with the track. There was a lot of mixed reception from fans and drivers alike. Um, now those those honestly got ironed out when it came to race time. But there was a lot of mixed anticipation coming into this race, both positive and negative. What's yeah. your what's your feeling on it? Like the main thing that kind of sticks out for me that was really just apparent was you know Lewis being quoted saying that this is going to be one of the best races of the year it's going to be fun to drive down the strip and like have all the the eyes on them but then earlier this week before practice he was like oh we can't be a circus coming into town destroying people's livelihoods which yeah it makes sense like I'm going to compare the construction that went into Vegas that happened here in Chicago for the NASCAR race that happened this year in July The roads were being worked on for, you know, two, three months in advance, but it didn't impact us too bad. Like, yeah, there was nights where I was taking the bus home and, you know, my stop was closed, so I had to ride the bus for another two miles. It's not the end of the world. I still got home. But for people who are traveling to Vegas to go and see everything on the Strip and then not being able to because F1 is blocking everything, it it is problematic. There needs to be a way that... Both sides can get what they want. I completely agree. You're kind of ripping out the entire focal point 
of the city. The entire tourist attraction of Las Vegas is being ripped away for multiple months out of the year to to host this one race for three days. For three days, but then also it's like the amount of prep that goes into it. They started working, you know, four or five months. I think, yeah, I think they started building the track in, uh, I think it was January, I believe. So th- this has been under construction for almost a year. So, but if you're doing that every single year until 2030, that's not going to make people happy. Because you're going to have to start closing down the strip multiple months before this race again to start setting up all the barriers, all the lights, all of the, the stands, grandstands, all that kind of stuff. I, I just don't think it's sustainable. I don't, think, I don't think it's sustainable, but I also, this was like, well, I'll transition this into the next point that was problematic with this race, which was the time and temperature. Awful. This was the coldest race in F1 history. Um, you know, typically we'll go into uh, degrees Celsius here, but typically you're looking at 20, between 20 and 30 degrees Celsius. So think around, you know, 80 to 100 degrees. A nice, for, a nice summer day. Exactly. You're, you want a nice summer day uh, for an F1 race. It's, it's the optimal range for the tires that, uh, are, that are supplied by Pirelli. Now, the problem is in Vegas, it's in the desert. So when they host a race at uh, midnight like they did this year, those temperatures drop really far. And I think the temperatures got down to about 4 degrees Celsius. So think around 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, 40 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit, I think. Which absolutely ruins the way the tires are supposed to work. Yeah, because the way tires work is they're warming up to get grip. And usually you want your tires to be, if it's, like Oliver said, you know, 20, 30 degrees Celsius on the track, usually you're going to want your tires to be around 60 to 80 degrees Celsius. That's like the prime range for them to be at their highest peak of the nice working window. Yeah, it's going to be able to last the recommended time, but you're also going to get the most grip out of it. We could see this the moment the race started, where Fernando, I know, lost it immediately. Multiple because, Carlos yeah. Sainz as well. Because of all of the grip. Like, there was no grip on the track for majority of it. We, we even saw it in qualifying, actually. Um, you the, the, the feeling was that, you know, in an 18-minute qualifying session, you can do, I'd say, three, you know, sets of out laps, hot laps, in laps. I think that's very reasonable for your regular 18 minute qualifying session however i think especially in q1 in las vegas it was taking drivers two three even four laps to warm up their tires for one single hot lap so it almost it almost made it like a one-shot qualifying event you know you really you really only set one real lap and it made it extremely chaotic. I mean, you had both McLarens out in the first part of qualifying. You had uh, Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez out in the second part of qualifying in far superior cars. Um, it, it, it was very, very interesting You to, to see teams like Haas, you know, stick a car in the top 10, to see both Williams qualifying in the top six, which I will say is good. I like, there, there's definitely positives to come out of the nightmare that this this race kind of was, you know, it wasn't a full nightmare, but there's there, there's positives. I I think it was a it was a good piece of qualifying. I think we didn't see too many incidents during qualifying the race. Yes, that was a whole different that was a whole different equation. Besides but, Carlos's incident, 
uh, you know, the train cover, but we don't. Need oh, to in practice, that. can we even talk? Can we talk about the nine-minute practice session? Thirty-five thousand people in Vegas uh, signed a class action lawsuit against F one, so oh, I they can get their uh, so they can get their money back because apparently a guy drove from Oregon. Yep, he drove ten hours to Vegas to watch practice, and after nine minutes, they forced him to leave. They didn't let him stay on the track like they do anywhere else in the world. No, 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 no. They kicked him out and made him go home. Nine-minute session. A drain hole cover was kicked up from one of the drivers, and they had to, you know, they had to effectively end the session. That's just unsafe uh, to have essentially a hole in the ground, have a, a manhole cover on the track. But for for fans to to force them to leave the track, give them not even 10% of what they paid for, is uh, genuinely it's it is unfair it's it's actually a joke i i you know if i was in charge if i was stefano uh dominicali if i was in charge of f1 everybody's getting their money back that that's a farce that's should be a given just like i don't know man if if something happens at a movie theater and you can't watch the movie they're going to give you a refund they'll give you they'll give you a ticket to to your next next, movie exactly like there's going to be something that the company does to reimburse the customer because the customer matters and every and single business matters. F1 has always been about money. Yeah. I, I really don't feel like they put the fans first. No, they don't. And I'm going to throw a little, um, just like a side note to watch the Braun GP on Hulu with Keanu Reeves, the documentary. It is an outstanding show. It really does show kind of how money-oriented the sport is and how, yeah, the fans are important, but... It's a business at the end it, of the day. It's a business at the end of the day. So, also, Kyle, uh, Carlos Sainz getting penalized 10 spots for something that the race technicians should have welded down to the street is absolutely astounding. Uh, it's it's, it's classic, but it's classic, it's classic F1. It is. It's... It's always ha- what happens. And I'm pretty sure there was uh, there was one more penalty that went out. I couldn't remember who it went to pre pre race. I think it was Yuki Sonoda had a had a grid penalty as well. Yeah, I can um, look that up real quick. But yeah, for for the FIA to hand out a ten place grid penalty to Carlos Sainz for something that wasn't even his fault is honestly just classic F1. Oh, I believe it was Lance Stroll. Yeah, he was handed a. Th- Nope, this was during the Dutch GP. What? No, 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 you were right. Carlos Sainz had the 10th place. Yeah, I know, but I'm seeing if uh, Yuki... Yeah, Yuki was starting in P20. P20, yeah. Oh, nope, si- uh, Stroll, 5th place grid drop for overtaking under double-waved yellows. And I believe that was during the first practice session where the manhole cover came off. That would make sense then. So I, I, like, I don't know how you're supposed to react to that, you know? I mean, you can't just stop in the middle of the track. Yeah, I, I do feel like maybe Stroll's penalty is more on him, but the the one with Carlos Sainz is an absolute joke. Yeah, the Carlos Sainz one is really not fair, especially for, I'm going to say, the Ferrari was a better car this weekend. I think I, the Ferrari I, was the, the best car on the field this weekend. Yeah, um, this was something after the race that I pointed out, but, you know, Max got a penalty during the race and had to pit he was started it in first during his penalty and then went down to all the way to 13th i believe 
Yeah, he was pretty far down there. And then but, came back and came back and won, which it really is just showing that Max is just a talented driver. Uh, yes, the Red he Bull. He supersedes an inferior car. I'll tell you that much. It's yeah, unbelievable. The Red Bull is a rocket ship. We all know this. But Max behind the wheel is a, it's like it's bearing. almost a god like godlike. It's it's really, really beautiful to watch. And as much as I hate Max and hate what the sport has become to just for the race for second place every year, but Hey, but that that's gonna happen every once in a while. It you is. can't you can't have a season like twenty twenty one every single year. No, you can't, which it's just how it is. I think the um, the Aston Martin also had a really good turnaround on car performance this week. Yeah, the Aston Martin looked really decent. I mean, even with his his penalty, Lance Stroll was dropped all the way to I think he started nineteenth on the grid, and he came back all the way up to finish. Uh, I believe in sixth. So making up thirteen places across the race. He Fernando fifth. Fifth. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for Fernando Alonso was a different story. I mean, he had his his incident at the beginning of the race that kind of ruined his race immediately. But this is also easily one of Lance Stroll's best weekends all year. Easily. And I, I hate having to say that. I was going to say, I want him to go to Wimbledon so bad. Oh, man. I Yeah. yeah I, I do like it, though. I It's nice to see Lance Stroll doing well. Compared but to how he was driving for the first half of the season, it is nice to honestly, see Honestly, compared to how he's been driving the past couple of years. But fair. that's quite all right. Um, I do want to also throw in one more thing about Max this weekend. Go for it. It's cuz I was I was thinking about this this morning while I was I was just going through um you know everyone just reading some articles and all that kind of stuff. Um that second safety car where you know Max pitted for the new tires which effectively helped him pass Leclerc and and, uh, and lead the race. I just found it very ironic how and I'm not I'm not some conspiracy theorist or anything, but I I do find it very interesting that Matt, the safety car that was caused was caused by, you know, George Russell and Max Verstappen crashing into each other. And somehow that safety car helps Max more than anybody else. Like, it, you know, it's I did like I thought this was going to be a race where there's a very real chance of a Red Bull not winning and to have a Red Bull make a mistake, bring out a safety car and that safety car help that Red Bull more than anybody else was probably the most infuriating part of the race for me you know i don't dislike max i don't not like him i don't like not like him seeing uh seeing him do well but you know i want to see the sucked. other drivers on the grid do well too that's I, that like that's my thing is like i don't mind max winning every year it, it is great to watch history like i'm going to compare this to aaron judge a few years ago in mlb where he was on track to beat the home run record i don't believe he might have beaten it by one. I can't remember off I the top of my head. It. I think he I know, matched it as well. I know he matched it as well. But it is it's it's awesome to watch. It is a great feeling. It brings people to the sport to watch history. And I do think the same thing with Max, where him winning ten races in a row this year, him having the highest win percentage of any racer in a season. Him having the highest gap to P two ever. Yeah. Most hat tricks in a season. Most consecutive top two finishes in the history of the sport. I, I believe he's broken sixteen different records this season, which unbelievable. Like, which which Toto said it's like oh Wikipedia article achievements. And he's but, a, but he's at a driver who has been a walking Wikipedia article of records his entire for a life. His entire life. Uh, it's unbelievable. I, 
I'll never understand Toto Wolf. No. But I feel like that's beside the point. Um, and back to what you were saying about Max, I, I do think Max did have a pretty, pretty good race. I don't want it to take away, though, from how well Charles Leclerc did all weekend. I, I genuinely believe Leclerc had one of his best weekends this entire year. Easily. You can't take that away from him. That guy threw everything to win that race this weekend to only lose by two seconds when realistically he lost almost 10 because of that safety car pit stop for Max. Leclerc was on to win that race on merit. And that was why it was so infuriating with the safety car and, and Max getting lucky from, you know, a collision that he had. But I will say with Charles, it's like he overtook Checo on the last on the two last quarters. Lap. On inferior tires as well. Checo's tires were, I believe, six or seven laps newer. And on a track that's three and a half miles, second longest track in F1, seven lap old tires, th- there's a huge difference I mean, there. that's 21-plus that's miles right there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Charles had, yeah, tw- I think it was like 23, yeah, 23 miles difference on those tires. That's and with tires that have a life of 200, you're talking like 15% of the tire life. That's insane. Yeah. I think Charles was easily the best driver of the weekend, I think. Oh, 100%. You know, he started pole. I mean, it's it's become a joke where Charles wins pole, Max wins the race. Yeah, that's pretty disappointing to hear. Yeah, it is, as I know you are a Ferrari fan. I'm a Charles Leclerc fan. Um, But we have to celebrate the Ferrari this week. They didn't mess up on strategy. They had a good strategy for one of the... Finally. Like... Just hands down, I didn't see a single problem with this strategy. Zero. No, Zero issues. No random pits at random moments. No random damage. This was genuinely a race where just unluckiness snatched it from Ferrari. They didn't do anything wrong. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it happens. It's F1. It is That's F1. how it works. So I can, I can hold my head high and say that we didn't mess up this weekend. We just got unlucky. Uh, Let's throw it down to the bottom of the grid and talk about the three people that DNF'd. You know, Lando. Lando, Nico, Hulkenberg, Yuki Sonoda. Let's start with Lando, lap three. He he hits the wall. Really hard. And immediately just, I think, tire lost. Like, tire came off. Yeah. Well, with the the wall head. I do know what caused that collision. Take it away. You know, it's... So, okay, so this is a new track. You know, it's all been repaved. These these surfaces are so fresh and new that they are very unpredictable. You know, we've done, what, three hours of in-person testing on these tracks before the race has started. You know, I'm trying to think about it. It's a, it's a very twisty section of the racetrack as well. Uh, the The last two corners before you get onto the strip... It's kind of like this long 90 right and then a long 90 left. And it's also a very, very low grip section of the track combined with it being three laps into the race. And we were talking about this earlier in qualifying, you know, with these tires needing multiple three, four, five laps to warm up. Lando just hit a really unlucky patch of track where his tires were just cold and he dropped it and he dropped it hard. And he was a passenger. You, you can't do anything in that situation. 
where on the track was it like sector one sector two sector two after the uh the little sphere section so the oh, very okay. last two corners before you get onto the strip 10 11 12 correct okay. was that section of the track yeah that which you know we were reading something earlier where everyone was saying corners seven and eight was where a lot of the problems were going to be just because a lot of people were taking that line way too wide yeah throwing it too deep into seven absolutely compromising the line in eight but then that's going to snowball. You're going to have a, you can try to save it through corner nine, but then the next time you're really going to be making up speed is through corner 10. And mm-hmm. that, those four corners with only a straight, that's maybe half mile long. It's not enough. It's not enough for you to get any speed or gain all the time back that you lost, you know? Yeah. In just those three corners before that. Yeah, I think I genuinely think Lando just got extremely unlucky. That is that that would have not have happened at any other track. Mm-mm. It's it is purely down to how cold it was. Those those tires being new, the track being new, it wouldn't have happened anywhere else. That's not Lando's fault. No, it wasn't. Um, moving on, let's go to Nico. I believe Nico just had a. I want to say he had an electronics issue. It was either electronics or some power unit issue that he had. And it was the same with Yuki Sonoda as well. It was a power unit issue. Power unit issue. That's what I thought. Because yeah, lap 45, dude. That's I know. They they both went out within, you know, the last yeah, six, y- seven y- laps. Yuki was the next lap, 46. What was what was his failure? Oh, let me look. Maybe he was the one that that, uh, that had the con- the electronics issue as well. Yuki having problems with his car this year has been so sad. Really painful if you're a Yuki Sonoda fan. There's been, he had his, you know, he had his stretch in the middle of, uh, middle of the season with like Monza and Singapore. Just my guy hadn't completed a single lap in the entire month of August because his car just pooped itself on the beginning of every race. What, didn't he have one where they were on the formation lap and then his car? I think it was in Italy. Yeah, that was in Monza. The car just died. <laughs> And then that was so sad to yeah, start the day. Literally game. the next race as well in Singapore, he had um he had contact with Oscar Piastri and had to re- uh, retire before the end of the first lap. So he literally went an entire month without completing a lap in F1. It was so sad. All I'm seeing are videos, and I'm not really just gonna pull up videos to watch. Yeah, so that's fair. it seems it's probably probably close to the same thing. He was quoted as saying, I hope it's not the engine. So that's probably electronics. It, electronics or most likely engine. Uh I don't think it would be I don't think it's an engine issue. That Alpha Tauri looked abysmal again this weekend, by the way. Yeah. No. Back to its worst. I mean, you have Daniel who finished fourteenth. I and think he's Yuki. been performing better than Yuki since he got back as well. Yeah, but everyone knew that, I feel like. That's fair. Um, you know, Daniel came out and said for the first time, um, that when he first got back in touch with, um, Horner, the Mm -hmm. Red Bull team principal, um, the first thing he said was, I'm sorry for leaving. Um, we all know, we all know Daniel regrets that. Yeah. Everyone knows. Cause I mean, think about it. You're about to be on a. Because Max was coming in the next year, or was that his first year with? So Max and uh, Max and Daniel were teammates in 2017 and That's 2018. That's what I thought. Okay, and then he left in 2018 to go to Renault. To Renault, yeah. 
and then he for nineteen twenty, and then McLaren for twenty one twenty two. Yep. I think here's the thing. I don't think, and I don't want this to become a Daniel Ricardo seg, but I, if I was in Daniel's position in two thousand eighteen, I think I would have done the same thing though. I because don't, I don't blame him for leaving, but he I had know eight he mechanical DNFs in one season, and he was the clear number two driver at the team. It, not in the sense that he wasn't as good as Max, but they they're were prioritizing gonna, uh, Yeah, Max. they're not going to focus him the same. I know what you mean. And Daniel wanted to be a team leader. So I completely respect his decision. I respect and I would have done the same thing. I think, I think it's similar to kind of what Alonzo's been doing for the last few years. Where I think that's fair. He's, he's now okay with taking a second seat and just... Being on the grid. I know, I mean, Alonzo is what, 43? Fernando Alonso is here for fun. Like he's 42, yeah. I mean, he's my favorite driver on the grid. I'm definitely a Fernando fan. But him starting 400 GPs, Unbelievable. and the next person on the grid, I believe, is like 160, maybe 200? Um, I, oh, I want to say, it's Lewis Hamilton. He's, he's in the lower 300s. But that's Lewis Hamilton. That's, yeah, he's been around forever, too. I, you have to think about it, though. Lewis Hamilton's been around for, quote, forever. His first season was in 2007. Fernando Alonso started racing in F1 in 2001. Okay, to put that into perspective, I was born when Fernando started driving in F1, and I was six turning seven when... Fernando debuted before both of us were born. Yeah. That's unreal. That is absolutely shocking. Wow, I'm young. <laughs> or do, he's just old or he's just old which i think is the thing but if he's consistently getting in the top 10 in a car that is not good compared to how the, they started i think it's just showing that the aston martin i think he's going to be around next year for sure i think he might even oh, be around for another year after that i i think i think fernando is probably going to call it with the 2026 regulation shift. I do think once Audi gets on the grid, I think he'll probably want to give up his spot just to get... Because we already know that Signs is going to Audi. Mm-hmm. I forget. I think it might be Nico is the other driver that's going to go to um, to Audi. Yeah, I think he was rumored. I don't think I don't think we have any surefire... But I think he's the... Type of statement, the, you know? I wouldn't say he's getting the second seat, but I think he's best rumored for the second seat. But You do have to understand, though... We, we we have three full seasons of young talent as well that we have to go through and mm-hmm. see if, you know, there's people proving themselves. I mean, there are so many good talents in F2 right now that just there's no room on the grid to give nope, them that I mean, spot. I mean, you have in well, the Red Bull family, you have Ayumu Owasa, Isaac Hadjar, Liam, Liam Lawson. Which is what I was going to ask. Aldi. Which, because that was when he was driving for Alpha, uh, when Liam was driving for Alpha Towery. You know, they said that you'll get a driving spot for Red Bull in the next year or two. Oh, and I completely, I actually but believe Red Bull. I believe once. it. I he believe. Will. I he believe will. it too. But the thing that's not making sense is if we all know that Checo is probably not getting the second seat for Red Bull next year. Can we agree on that? I can agree on that. So, I it's, in real, it's classic shady Red Bull. It is. It is I, shady Red Bull. I don't Bull. think Checo's going to be there next year. I think that Daniel is going to go back to Red Bull for next year. 
I think Liam gets the the AlphaTauri seat next year. I don't know. I Who'd think you give it to? I think they make Liam the reserve driver for Red Bull. For Red Bull for 2025. Who would you stick in the AlphaTauri? It wouldn't be Perez. It wouldn't be no. <laughs> Perez is going to retire and go spend time with his family and maybe cheat on his wife again. Um <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's just, I think there's going to be a lot of talent opening up in the next few years. And with the other news with Cadillac and Andretti becoming a, getting their F1 bid accepted, now they just have to get through the final stages of getting all the team's approval. And all the, yeah, all the marketing that, stuff. That's potentially four new cars in the grid in the next five years. Plus, with all the moving around on teams, I think there's going to be at least six new drivers in the next three years. I feel like I could call out half of them extremely confidently. You probably could better than I could. But Liam Lawson yep. is one for sure. 100%. Felipe Drogovic probably would be getting probably the number two. Will make it once. I'd say Felipe would get a would get a single season, uh, and then the, the maybe the other half season like reserve if someone's not doing good. Yeah, if the other Stroll one that isn't doing good, maybe you throw him in. Stroll will retire on his own accord. He'll go to Wimbledon. It'll, ha- it'll happen on its own accord. Um, but the other one that's super interesting for me and i know you've heard of him um is ollie Behrman. yeah the i believe he's still 18 he's in the the ferrari driver academy he gives me charles leclerc levels of like excitement um for his junior career he scored the first ever grand slam in f2 history this year for prima yeah at baku you know, he, taking sprint pole, winning the sprint race, old. winning the, the feature race, taking the fastest lap, leading every lap. That's never been done in F2. And you, you, you have people in F2 like George Russell, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc. They, never, they could never do that. And look how good they are in F1. This kid's doing it at 18. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm so excited for the next few years of F1. I think joining the sport now in the last year, I think uh, Oliver knows this. He... We watched my first F1 race earlier this year, but I watched the Australian GP as my first one. And what a crazy oh race that was. Oh, my God. Double red flag for your first F1 race just made it 10 times more interesting. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe the luck with the race you got to see. You got to see everything yeah. on, your, on your first it was, tour around the planet. It was a really good season to get into F1. Um. Let's talk about Esteban real quick. Fourth place. Yeah, and he started, I believe he started all the way down in, it was in the bottom half of the field for sure. Uh, he started in 16th. Yep, okay, I was right. It's it's so funny as well because I, I think it's not, you know, this is not Esteban performing better than Pierre Gasly or whatever. Because if you, if you look at where Pierre Gasly started, Pierre Gasly started in fourth and he finished in 11th. I, I, it's so funny the the Alpines just essentially flopped places, so you know I expected Esteban to finish maybe lower end of the points and and Pierre Gasly to hold on to maybe fourth fifth place, um, but I think I think Esteban just got luckier with his strategy, and when those safety cars came out, I do think he drove a phenomenal race though, don't get me wrong on that, but I do think there was a bit of luck involved for Esteban. I agree. And then, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. You have you have multiple drivers who made up over ten spots. I mean, you had Stroll make up thirteen. You had Carlos Sainz make up, I believe. I mean, after his first lap collision, you had Sainz make up thirteen as well. 
then you had Esteban make up 12. Also, I, I think really, really important note to mention, and this was something I was looking forward to, especially after qualifying. What happened to Williams? Yeah. This is full a full drop off. This is a great point. You know, everyone was saying like the top line speed of the Williams was the best this week. And it still was. And it still was, but there's obviously something that I think it has to do with like the aerodynamics of the car. It's just not working right. They're losing speed so much more in the corners than even like the Romeo and the Haas. I know. It's it's so sad. And like especially with um Logan. Logan started <laughs> Logan's finished twentieth in the last five races and then comes back to America, gets P six. And then finishes and then finishes sixteenth. Sixteenth with three DNFs. Like I I you have to understand though, they it's unfortunate Williams also did get the short end of the stick with the safety car, just like Ferrari did. So I, I think that lost him a good, you know, five, six places. Oh, hundred percent. They still should have they should have had a double points finish, but I feel like I feel like that's just the way it goes again sometimes. But yeah, it, it put them on such old tires at the end. Do you fighting on the, do we want to throw it back to Oscar and uh, Oscar and Pierre in 10 and 11th? Because I don't feel like they had good races. I don't feel like they had bad races. I don't think they had bad, I don't think they had bad races. Pierre was full on lucky. I think, I think 10th was probably all Oscar could have mustered as well. Because he qualified 18th, I believe. Uh, you know, he, he still had a phenomenal race. 19th. Yeah, and he finished, what, 10th, 11th? 10th. Yeah, he made up nine places. He, to get a point after... That abyssal starting qualifying in, in session. Starting in 19th and ending in points is very, very, very talented. Is it, is it, a, is it a McLaren? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a rookie. You know, that's still pretty who's impressive. Been, who's been having a great season. This guy took a victory and have won before Lando Norris did. Let that sink in. Hold on. I got to get the door for the sink. Oh, yeah. No worries. Um, <laughs> that was a crappy joke, but... Anything, any other big, big points? I'm excited for next year. I'm excited for next year. I'm excited I actually want to go back here. Yeah, I'm excited for Abu Dhabi, I think. You know, the great thing about next week uh, with Abu Dhabi is you're going to get to see a lot of young drivers. Uh, you because know about isn't the, 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 the FP1, 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 not even, not even, I know what you're talking about, um, but it's the FP1 rule. Two young drivers have to be fielded in uh, a practice session. Every single year, and most teams wait till the very end of the season to do it. So it's just a giant. You're going to essentially have a giant cool. young drivers show for the first practice in Abu Dhabi, and then you do have the young drivers test the weekend after Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. in Abu Dhabi as well. So yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what teams are going to field what drivers. You know, some are some are like clear cut predictable. Like Ali Behrman's going to be in the Ferrari. You're going to have somebody like a Yumu Owasa in a Red Bull. So but, you know how you were complaining about the start times for Vegas. Yeah, that sucked. Midnight sucked. I mean, actually, it was kind of fun. Yeah, pra- practice one for. I'm just going to throw out a guess. I'm guessing Abu four Dhabi, in the morning, three thirty to four thirty in the morning. <laughs> pra- <sighs> practice two is back in like actual morning, seven a.m. to eight a.m. Practice three, back to midnight, 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning. I'm not watching that. Oh, absolutely not. And then we got qualifying 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And That's then doable. race 7 a.m. on November 26th. You're lucky you weren't watching 
when we were watching in Turkey in 2020 and 2021, having to get up at four in the morning for a race. No. Never had timing that bad. I can stay up late. I can get up early. Four, four in the morning is the worst of both worlds. Yes. No, I'm excited, though. There's a lot to look forward to next week. Yeah. And uh, we'll do one more race recap for the show, and then I think we'll just kind of space out episodes and just kind of do stuff when there's any, like, huge Especially news. when car reveals come around. That's a huge time. I was going to say, car reveal, we'll definitely be doing a podcast. We're going to be definitely trying to get a uh, video for the next one as well. But, yeah, I think for our first first one... I think it's a success. I think it was a success, and I think we went over. I think everything. I learned a lot. <laughs> I know well, you did. I know I did. Well, yeah. Uh, would you like to say goodbye? It's been a pleasure, Raven. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Oliver. Thank you for having. Absolutely, you're having me, but I'm having you in my in my fandom. Yes, it's a it works for both worlds. But all right, we both get it. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time. We'll take care of you guys.